Welcome to Punches and Punchlines, where we break down the best fights with a sense of humor. And now, your hosts, Fritz and Franco. Welcome back to this week's edition of Punches and Punchlines. We had a lot of boxing this weekend. We had two WBO champions as the headliners at different events. We were over in uh, New England on Friday and uh, wrapped it up with some wonderful action in Las Vegas on Saturday. So, Franco, are you ready to walk the uh, Puncher Maniacs through this? Oh, my God. You know, I was... <laughs> I was really, really thinking about it all week. And yeah, punchaholics, that's the only thing I could come up with. But that's like a disease now. So <laughs> I don't even know that that's any better. I'll, I'll keep trying. If anyone has any suggestions, for the love of God, please message them to us. Because uh, punchaholics, it hurts a little bit every time. But yeah, let's go ahead and get into these fights. Kaylee Reese, 35 years old, coming in at 18 seven and one versus jessica kamara 33 years old coming in at eight and two now franco this fight was on the the zone card headlined by demetrius andre and this was a really nice way to kick off this card it was a real just toe-to-toe match of two skilled women and it was a fun fight to watch i didn't have a dog in this race you know what i mean so i was just happy to have a really fun fight the judges had it super close and uh reese retained her belts uh with a split decision in my eyes what i what i saw anyway from this fight is that it was you know kamara started strong but then Reese just finished strong. And I think that I've seen it before where the fighter that finishes stronger is the one that the judges, you know, tend to lean toward. And I know you're turning your score in at every end, end of every round, but I'm not disagreeing with any of the judges on this one. I'm not disagreeing with the judge that had Kamara winning it. I'm not disagreeing with the judges that had uh, Reese winning it. I would say for anybody that didn't uh, watch this or thinks they don't like women's boxing, check this out. It's just two women slugging it out and you know some real skill and a a show of heart throughout from both women i don't know that i completely agree but i'll I'll put it like this i don't agree with the way that the judges scored it but i can see for sure a million percent the argument for how they scored it and for them getting the scores that they got so two of the judges had it 97 93 in favor of reese Uh, 95 94 was the one judge who had it in favor of camaro so it was a split decision i had it scored geez where did i write it down 96 94 was camaro no i wrote it down 95 94 let's go to let's go to box rack and see who's right I had it 96-94, but I could have sworn they said one judge had it 95-94, which doesn't make any sense, but we've seen dumber stuff from from judges. Uh, And I said ref, I meant judge. But either way, there was multiple rounds where I was like, you know, I'm leaning this one way, but it was only by a hair. And depending on what the judges saw from the angles that they were sitting at, it could totally change at the drop of a hat. Like the scores could have gone one way or the other. I thought that Kamara did enough to be able to squeak this one out. Reese looked good in, I think it was maybe the first or the second, or no, it was in the second round. I like what she did. I liked her in the fourth round. And then at the very, very end of the fight, it looked like she was going to end up putting Kamara down on the mat. And then it didn't happen. Like she literally ran out of gas. Like she had no more energy to even lift her hands and finish the fight if she would have just found that little bit of extra oomph you know if she would have really reached deep down 
I think she could have finished this with a with a KO, maybe even a knockdown, and that would have been enough to swing it. But I didn't think she did enough to end up taking this win. I'd be cool with a rematch. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't know. The only other thing, except for that it all happened at the very end, was during that 10th round, Kamara got cut over her left eye. There was only like one minute left, so they just let it keep going. That was the only round, though. That's one round. And like you said, the judges... They turn in their scores after every other round. I had Kamara just dominating so much of this fight that for it to end up being 97-93, I I don't know. I felt like I was missing something or like the fix was in. But even this kind of a match, there shouldn't be any kind of fix. I don't know. I, I was a little bit thrown off. But as far as the fight itself goes, everything involving just the fighters themselves, amazing. Like you say it all the time that you can become a fan of somebody in a loss. I became a fan of both of these women. Like, I can't wait to see either one of them fight again. And if anything, kudos to DAZN for building up more female fighters and setting up these storylines through the unification of belts and whatnot. I want more of it. Like, I, I want them to keep setting up these types of fights because it was super entertaining. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I'll clearly admit that I wasn't actively scoring this fight. I was just sitting back, you know, and enjoying it, you know, just... Mm-hmm enjoying the action that it was super close so the scorecards were close and Mm -hmm. there was a split decision so that in my head i was like all right well i didn't see it clearly going one way or the other so at least it was a split decision a lot of times you know it happens in men's fights all the time that the champ will get the benefit of the doubt and maybe that's just what happened in this fight yeah totally i think that is what it might have been yeah i can't wait to see where either one of them go from here it was super fun uh, it was a, I like I said, I'd love to see a rematch. I know we're not going to. They were already talking about how the winner was going to end up going for another one of the belts to keep unifying. So, you know, that's cool. So I'm waiting to see where Jessica Kamara goes from here. Jason Quigley, 30 years old, coming in at 19 and one versus Demetrius Andrade, 33 years old, coming in at 30 and oh. <laughs> Now, Franco, I am not sure what we really learned in this fight. Jason Quigley, we had seen before we saw him in the fight against uh, Shane Mosley Jr. Okay, uh, That was a majority decision against Mosley Jr. I, I don't remember being all that impressed watching either fighter. I thought it was actually probably closer than some of the judges did. So to come off that performance and then get a shot at the title seemed a little weird, but you know what? You can only fight the guy in front of you. Andre did exactly what he was supposed to, you know, and he went in, knocked him silly in the first round, got a a good solid knockdown in the first round, and then uh, quickly somehow made it out of the first round as quickly walked back to his corner. I just kept thinking, I'm like, what part of Chicago is this guy from? I'm like, is he from, is he from Canaryville? Is he from Beverly? Which part of the Irish South side is this guy from? And uh, turns out he's actually from Ireland. He's not like one of the the guys that uh, just, you know, wears the uh, red, gold, and green uh, every day just to pretend <laughs> that they're really from Ireland. Yeah, Andre went and then just cl- cleaned him out in the second round, you know, went and knocked mm-hmm. him down two more times. And the ref had already seen enough after that second knockdown. He's like, all right, that's uh, I, I think this kid's taking his beating. Let's let's send him back the back of the yards or wherever he lives <laughs> and uh let him uh brag to his friend Seamus that uh that he hung in there with the champ. I was actually leaning Beverly when I saw him. <laughs> uh yeah, it was a good fight, I guess. Again, I don't know what the hell we learned from this. You're a million percent correct on that. You know what I learned? First and foremost, uh Andre kicked the shit out of him. Like plain and simple. 
beat the piss out of this kid. There's there's no way around that. However, the first two minutes of this fight, because it didn't even go the full two rounds. So most of the fight was that first round. The first two minutes out of the three minutes of the fight were such a snooze fest where he was doing, uh, Andrade was doing that bullshit heel toe thing where he's trying to step on his toes and play yeah. footsie the whole time and i'm like just punch him like stop screwing with his feet try not to trip over him because obviously southpaw versus uh right hander you know you don't want to trip over each other but he was so focused on the feet and it was so boring and then finally when he did unleash it was awesome he came in fast he came in furious he was throwing just wild punches when <laughs> quigley went to go kind of wrap him up and hold him to slow him down. Andre just kind of threw him into the ropes and then started punching him some more, and that's what caused the first knockdown. He ended up not finishing it in the first round, only because he leaned on the back of Quigley's head and ended up pushing him down to the ground. That bought Quigley enough time that the round ended up ending. Right. So it's like there was so much other bullshit. I, I want to like Andrade. Andre. He's a good fighter. He's a scary dude. He looks like some bum that they find out like behind Mandalay Bay where they're, you know, he's just, uh, you know, asking people for spare change or whatever. And they're like, Hey, uh, you want to fight? And then it turns out he's a champ. Like he's just a scary mean looking dude. I want to like him as a boxer. And then, you know, he opens his mouth he says dumb shit or in the fight, it's super sloppy and it's not quote unquote pure boxing. It's just him kind of ragdolling some, nobody uh i what am i getting from that like it's it doesn't make me think oh this guy's a world beater it makes me think this guy needs to be challenged you know what i mean yeah and i i mean in his defense i have watched probably the last 10 andre fights and he's been asking for big names for a while you know he mm -hmm. had the fight against billy joe saunders lined up and billy joe saunders gets popped for drugs all right so there goes his chance at that big name. He then won the vacant belt in a fight against uh, somebody that I, I haven't heard of before or seen since. So he's been calling for big names at 160, you know, like, hey, let's fight. And it just hasn't happened. And, you know, I've talked to you before that I'm reading a book, The Four Kings, and I'm almost done with it. And maybe it has something to do with a quote that I read in the book that Joe Lewis told Marvin Hagler when he was complaining about not getting any fights. He's like, you got three strikes against you, kid. He's like, you're, uh, you're, you're left-handed. You're black and you're good. He's like, nobody <laughs> wants, nobody wants to take that fight. So I don't know whether it's something to do with that or that there's just not a lot of sizzle around his name, you know, mm -hmm. inside the boxing community. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, outside of people who have the zone, nobody knows who Andre is. This is not a household name. So we're like the Charlo brothers, triple G uh, Murata. They've fought off of the zone as well mm -hmm. as on his own, you know, where they've, you know, have some, I guess, more widely known name recognition. I would love, love, love to see uh, Andre versus Charlo in their next fight. And then that will unify two of the belts. And then Triple G and Murata are fighting in December. The winner of that fight is the winner of Andre and Charlo. And you know why that will never happen, Franco? Why? You know why that'll never happen? Because it's too easy of a fucking plan. Like there's going to be somebody that comes in like, Oh, but why don't you throw in, uh, you know, Quigley's cousin, you know, like let him fight one of those guys first too. That's Seamus. Yeah. Seamus. <laughs> let Seamus fight. And, uh, you know, they'll throw in some stupid stipulation and it'll ruin it all. And yeah, I mean, I just would like to see those four guys. There's four guys with belts. 
it seems like such an easy thing to just do an eliminator. Yeah. You know, Charlo versus Andre, Golovkin versus Murata, and then the two winners face off. I, I would watch that. You know, I almost wonder, though, the whole DAZN thing and not getting enough exposure in this day and age of social media and having YouTube and uh, Instagram highlights and everything else. You would think that people at least like that knockout at the very end in the second round, he landed that huge left and it was a cool, very uh, spectacular knockout. That would be enough, you would think to be able to pull in viewers and maybe build up his name. One of the problems that I've noticed, though, is a lot of these companies, whoever's running their social media sucks because they'll be pushing other assholes like uh, the YouTubers or, you know, celebrity fighters. They'll post about them a hundred times, but then the guys that are actually contracted to them, the guys that they actually have money invested in them, they won't, they won't post about them or it'll be one post. And then it just kind of gets buried in the mix. So I mean, I, I do think a lot of it falls on DAZN, uh, but also, you know, maybe the fighters got to hype themselves up a little bit. I know you said, you know, he's been hyping himself up every chance that he gets, but, uh, you know, maybe expand off of Twitter and then uh, people will want to be able to see you fight a little bit more. And it, I mean, the same breath, though, like the stuff that has made Andre kind of annoying is the same stuff that he's trying to do to get noticed. You know what I mean? Like mm, yeah. when he showed up at the Canelo press conference, does he really think he's <laughs> going to get a fight against Canelo? No, like Canelo's not going back down to 160. All mm -hmm. right. And he's not taking you on to come up at once uh, 168. So what was he there for? He was there to get his name out there and hopefully it is out there enough now that guys that don't, maybe don't follow it quite as much as you or I will at least be like, oh, yeah, I heard that, dude. Oh, he's going to fight Carlo. I'm, I'll buy that pay-per-view. You know, I hope that that really happened because when it's happening, I'm like, ah, oh, you're better than this. You don't got to do this stupid shit. Mm -hmm. And then on the other hand, I'm like, oh, I get it. You know, a quiet mouth doesn't get fed. So I, I, I get his side of it, too. Raymond Morataya, 24 years old. Coming in at 12 and 0 versus Elias Arajo, 34 years old, coming in at 21 and 3. All right, Franco. Now, this fight ended up getting stopped by the referee. Mm -hmm. And I can't say this is the first time that I've ever seen this stoppage happen, but I'll say this that it's very rare. Like the ref stepped in in the fifth round and without any of the typical, you know, you got to show me something, you know, or any of those warnings, you know, like, mm -hmm. Hey, Hey kid, get in this fight. See, you know, like there was no kind of uh, warnings at all. He just got tired of watching this dude not throw punches like that dad. That's got like that slow burn during the cross country road trip with his family and doesn't say anything while the kids are fucking up, but then <laughs> just does without even warning. Like I'm going to turn the car around, just turns the car around. It goes home. Like that's what, this ref ended up doing in this fight. And I can't even disagree with him stopping this fight. Like Arojo or Arajo was not giving enough back. You know, mm -hmm. like he put more effort into complaining about the fight being stopped than he did into his combinations. So I'm not sure what he was really complaining about. Even the crowd was booing the stoppage. But I was also thinking like, maybe they weren't booing the stoppage. Maybe they were just booing the fact that Arajo was not fighting. You know, it's like... <laughs> It was all one-sided. Morataya was just dominating the dude. It was past the halfway point of this fight. The ref was probably like, all right, I gave you half, half a fight, and you still didn't do anything. Uh, I'm calling it a night. Yeah, well, and the thing that like finally got him to step in, 
So first three rounds, Murataya looked good. He was obviously taking the rounds, but I thought Araujo was still Araujo, Araujo, Araujo. whatever, the Argentinian, uh, which on a side note, one of my least favorite accents, let me just put that out there. I have plenty of Argentinian friends that when they would talk, it was, you know, it it reminds me of like that really strong, like super fan Southside accent from Chicago, where when you hear it, you're just like, get out of here. That's not real. And then that's how they actually talk. Right. Well, nobody's accent sounds nice when you're whining, you know, he's like, no, come on, (laughs) let me keep fighting. Yeah. Well, so, you know, I thought he was in it though. Like he was doing good at the beginning of the first couple rounds. (laughs) He was not. But then that fifth round, when that happened, Murataya landed two awesome punches and busted up underneath his eye. He ended up yes, cutting him did. open. And and the, the blood set off like a small water balloon. Like it was just this red explosion under his eye. And the referee stopped it right away. Now, the part that I was surprised by was not the ref saying, you know, show me some more or anything like that. Usually they called the doctor over. Like he calls time, calls the doctor over. The doctor looks at it. And then either gives the thumbs up or the thumbs down, and then they either keep going or they stop it. Referee just saw the explosion of blood, stopped it. And then when they wiped it, it was such a teeny tiny little cut under his eye. It was not that bad. It easily could have been controlled. I think that's why the crowd was booing, because once it was wiped, he looked fine. It was a little teeny tiny cut, which that happens sometimes. You know, you get a small cut. Like, I know I got cut one time uh, on my temple, and that looked like I had gotten murdered. Like, there was just, I had the whole crimson mask going of just pure blood on my face. So sometimes that happens. I did think it was kind of a shitty stoppage, but also I just wanted to see Murataya like really finish him off. Like he was getting there and then it ended up getting stopped. So probably better for uh, Araujo and his family. Janabek Alinkali, 28 years old, coming in at 10 and 0 versus Hassan Nadam, 37 years old, coming in at 38 and 5. Now, Franco, this one I had, put bets on a lot of the rounds to be a knockout and wagered a few bucks on each of them. The, the eighth was not one of them, Franco. And that's, <laughs> that's how this one went down. It was kind of clearly a mismatch from yeah. the get-go. You know, you could tell that it was an up-and-coming guy. Sure, he's 28, so he should be in, in his prime at 10-0 and 0 going against a veteran. The skill level was just, you could tell from the start of the first round that Janabek yeah. was just the better fighter that didn't change at any point during this fight. Did my mind change on that? You know, uh, Nadam went down once, I think in the second or the third round, I was surprised he got up from it because at no point did he look really interested in trading, you know, like, yeah, he would looked enough to like throw a jab to get, uh, Janabek away from him. But at no point was he throwing any meaningful combinations or trying to set up any offense. It was, you know, pretty much just, Oh God, I got to protect my head. And then looked like he was ready to cry when, when the referee <laughs> called this fight, like he was like, no, no. And I don't doubt that he didn't even mean this, but he's like, no, I, I would rather, I would have rather died in there. You know what? Yeah. That got real dark. Yeah. But you know what, Nadam, we don't want to watch that. Okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't ever want to see a dude get killed anywhere. All right. But especially watching a sport that I love when it can be prevented, you know, like it's the ref's job to get in there and save your life, whether you like it or not. You know, like Mm -hmm. I have watched, you know, a card, watched a dude get beaten to death that I wish somebody would have stopped earlier. 
And I'm glad that this ref stopped in and preventing me from ever having to do that again. You know, like I never want to see another Dadashev moment in my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm glad that this didn't turn into one. It just turned into a nice showcase of uh, Janabek being ready for uh, a step a little further than Nadam. Yeah, unfortunately, I bet rounds one through two. And so when the knockout didn't happen in those rounds, I didn't get to cash in. So that was a little bit sad. But yeah, Kazakh style looked good, man. He was just dominant. He wasn't getting the big KO. He did get that one knockdown in the third. Really, the thing that was annoying me with Ndam was the grabbing. Like he knew he was outclassed. So he just kept trying to hug and so much so that the crowd was booing. And it's like, come on, man. Like if you really do want to quote unquote go out in your shield, or if you really are ready to die, then, uh, you know, step up and start throwing some punches. Don't just try to hug the guy. You know, at that point you're in survival mode. Not in, I'm going to go out in my shield mode. So yeah, when it was stopped, I thought it could have been stopped in the fifth round. There was one combo that Janabek landed that went on for almost uncomfortably too long where he ended right. up against the ropes, just beating the hell out of him. And you're like, oh, just, you know, stop it. Stop. Oh, here comes the stoppage. And then the stoppage didn't happen. So it was kind of like, God damn it. Like just finish him off. But they were saying, I guess he was signaling Janabek was that his, uh, something was wrong with his hand. They thought he might've broken his hand. Did we hear anything about that? I didn't hear anything in the, in the post fight, mm-hmm. but he, they said at one point when they had to take him over to the corner to get taped up, again mm-hmm. that uh Janabek went to the neutral corner like he was instructed to and then pointed at his at his right hand and you know gave it a kind of a shake and the announcers were kind of speculating like oh maybe maybe that hand is hurt and that's why he's not you know kind of unleashing with the power that we're used to yeah which that would have made total sense if that was the case because he did seem to kind of let up it was one of those deals where you're waiting for the knockout any second and then it kind of kept not coming so for him to finally get the tko at the end that was cool it was a fun fight looking forward to seeing kazakh style again because he is an exciting fighter to see uh hopefully nothing's wrong with his hand that way we can see him a little bit sooner yeah he's the number two 160 pounder in all of kazakhstan i don't know if you knew that franco i did not i can't I haven't seen anybody else that would be number one. Uh, is there anyone else? I I can only think of one guy who maybe that I've seen once in like the last two years. I don't. Uh, That's probably not him. Not the same guy. Probably not. <laughs> probably a different guy. Askiva Belkow, 31 years old, coming in at 28 and 0 versus Patrice Volney, 32 years old, coming in at 16 and 0. <laughs> I'll tell you this, Franco, what I learned about this fight, especially considering the pre-fight odds, Volney is better than people thought he was going to be. All mm-hmm. right. This ended up going to the cards after an absolutely vicious clash of heads. You know, yeah. it was an unintentional where he was coming up to try to throw a shot, just heads clashed. And it, it dude, it opened up like a fissure in in the head of Falcao. You know, like it was it was gross. Um, yeah, it went halfway up his forehead. The cut yeah, did. like I mean, it looked like you could see parts of his skull through there. You know, like I could see what he was thinking. Like that's how big that thing opened up. You know, yeah. and <laughs> it was crazy. And he's like, "Oh, I just need a minute to see whether I can continue." Because right away, both dudes looked hurt. Yeah, even even Volney looked like he had taken some damage from it too. And like one of the announcers was saying, I think he felt better when he saw you know Falcao hurt by it as well. Because he's like, "Oh." I can relax a second. Yeah. Like this guy's bleeding. Like I just stuck a pig. 
Yeah, it was just crazy that they went to the cards and the judges had it closer than I thought it was going. But either way, I still think the right guy won. Yeah. But I kind of want to see Volney again. Like I thought for a guy I'd never heard of before and a guy I think fighting in the United States for the first time in his career showed himself pretty well. Falco has got, you know, 28 professional wins. This was a huge step up for Patrice. And I don't think he embarrassed himself at all. Like I could see this dude. If I was going to a live card and I saw Patrice Volney on there, I would make sure I had my ass in my seat by the time I got there. Does he look like the next best thing? Maybe not, but he looks like a guy that could be a fun fight to watch. You know, like he brought some skills. You could see that some areas were still lacking, but with just 16 fights under his belt, I'd say there's room for improvement. And I would like to watch that dude again. Uh, I actually liked him for completely the wrong reason uh if anything the only thing that i could think of that's similar to it is like a wrestler like a professional wrestler that isn't that great in the ring maybe not the most athletic person but his gimmick is amazing and it's you know super entertaining patrice volney sat there staring at the camera while they did his announcement and talked about you know like said his weight and his record and everything and he just sat there staring at the camera half cross-eyed with the weirdest, creepiest look on his face. And then he kept doing that. Like, that was his gimmick, that he's just going to stare off into the abyss. And I I was there for all of it. It was awesome. Yeah, eyes didn't blink once for, no. you know, close to a minute. And <laughs> it was crazy that I'm sure out there, somebody had their soul stolen away from him. Uh, <laughs> I was smart enough to look away because I was like, man, he's putting that voodoo on me. I can't, I can't have that voodoo putting on me. So I looked away. <laughs> just in time and uh yeah it was uh definitely it made me notice the guy you know yes and then he had he had the giant uh volcano erupting ponytail going on Mm -hmm. and uh i'll say this the dude was at least memorable yeah it it was entertaining and you know it was a split decision the judges had it really close 58 57 58 56 58 56 uh, one guy had a 58-56 for Volney. The other one had 58-56 for Falcao. I thought Falcao was dominating, but at no point did I think Volney is getting completely annihilated or anything like that. That headbutt, though, was like next level. I've only heard this sound twice in my life, but if you've ever heard somebody catch a baseball bat to the head, that's the noise that their head clash made. Like It was a disgusting sound when they crashed. The only thing more disgusting was listening to Joe Tessitore. Like, <laughs> other other than the headbutt, it was nice to hear the headbutt so I didn't have to hear Joe for a minute. Mm-hmm. But it was just a, a make-you-cringe kind of sound, you know? Yeah. It was definitely, and you nailed it, with wooden baseball bat to the head That's is it. the sound that it made. You know, it was crazy. Yeah, it just opened up that gash, and I couldn't see it going on even further because if it did go on further... Where's Volney going to aim? He's going to punch that forehead (laughs) and open it up to where he can remove your face and wear it as a mask after he defeats you. You know, like that's (laughs) was the only place that that was going to go if that fight continued. Or maybe uh, Falcao sticks his gloves into the cut, rips it open so that it reveals his entire skull. And then he shoots out flames like Scorpion's finishing move in uh, Mortal Kombat. I'm pretty sure that's what we would have seen. We were robbed of it, Fritz. But uh, maybe next time, maybe next time. If that could have happened, it would have been because of Volney's stare, like that voodoo (laughs) stare he was putting on him. Like he probably could have forced him to do that, but he was being a gentleman and didn't make that happen. Sean Porter, 34 years old, coming in at 31, 3, and 1 versus Terrence Crawford, 34 years old, 
coming in at 37 and 0. Now, Franco, I've been looking forward to this fight before it even got made. I was saying that Sean Porter is the WBO mandatory. Make mm. that fight happen. Stop giving us Terrence Crawford versus the ghost of Kell Brook or the skeleton of Amir Khan. Like, let's see him with a real welterweight. And that's exactly what we got last night. It was a beautiful fight. Yeah. I will be uh, 100% honest with the with the audience right now. I am a fan of both of these boxers. I think Terrence Crawford is a wonderful fighter that was so dominant at 140 and is just a fun fighter to watch but sean porter on the other hand is just so different from what you're used to seeing like he's got an unorthodox style Mm -hmm. and he really just seems like a lovable dude you know in the ring and out like he just has like a joy to his being that makes you want to root for him you know like i really like sean porter so uh going to this one i'll i'll tell you this I had money on uh, late KO and I got to cash that ticket. So that was wonderful. I really think that this fight proved, you know, that Terrence Crawford does belong in that pound for pound list. I mean, another, it seems so simple, but let's see Terrence Crawford against uh, Errol Spence Jr. Next. Like that's what I would love, love, love to see, but it sounds so simple that it's probably not going to happen. You know what I mean? Like it seems like when it's that easy, it's not going to happen. Here's one thing, a bit of advice I'll give to ESPN. People would like Terrence Crawford more. If you pulled back on it just a little bit, like yep, the forcing them down our throat. Like I already like them. Stop, stop with the brilliance of Terrence Bud Crawford. Like I already agree with you. You know, it's like when you're hanging out with that couple, that has the annoying kid and uh, they just can't stop talking about how great he is. And you're like, oh yeah, he's great. And then they're like, yeah, I know you already agree, but let me tell you for the next two hours, uh, just how great they are. And they're like, all right, I already got it. You know, can, can we talk about something else here at, at Chili's? You know, like <laughs> it's, it's just too much, you know, like Max Kellerman and Joe Tessitore were just a little too much for me in this telecast. That's all the bitching I have to do. Is there a little too much? I don't even disagree with them. They just, you're laying it on a little too thick. All right. Um, I disagree with them. They can eat shit. Uh, ESPN can eat shit. That's uh, from, I don't disagree with that from me to them. Uh, they were so heavy handed. Now here's the thing. I agree. Terrence Crawford, amazing fighter, easily top five in the world right now, pound for pound, but they kept calling him the pound for pound best. Like it was a fact. Because he beat Sean Porter. Was this a good fight? Yes. Was this a great test for him? Yes. Was this the fight that he should have done? Of course. Does this make him better than Canelo pound for pound? No. No. So just because you say it doesn't mean that it's true. You know what I mean? And they kept doing it, like just stating it like it was a fact. And it's like, no. Every time they said it, it ruined their credibility 100% to me. You know, it's like Canelo has taken challenges and has fought everybody in his division. This is finally the first time that ESPN has gotten him a fight with a real welterweight. You know, mm-hmm. Kel Brook was way past his prime. Amir Khan was a shell of himself. Like he did have that fight against Kaviaskis, which was a great fight. All right. But it wasn't top tier. It was a good welterweight fight. But it wasn't like a fight against Sean Porter or uh, if he does get in the ring with uh, Ugas, Thurman or, you know, Errol Spence Jr. Like those are, if he cleans those guys out, then, yeah, you have a debate. 
for being the the pound for pound king. But until then, Canelo is the pound for pound king. That's not even debatable. Yeah, I totally agree. Now, here's the thing. There was a lot of stuff to unpack with this fight. Some of it had to do with the fight itself. Some had nothing to do with the fight. So what ended up happening, uh, Crawford comes out to just LL Cool J simple ream walk. Sean Porter comes out with like big stained glass windows and a choir with light tubes and a lady who kind of reminded me of DeBrat, but was obviously not DeBrat walked him out to the ring, but they were talking about, you know, his spirituality and how religion is important to him, yada, yada, yada. So cool, you know, nice fancy ring walk uh, came out and his gear was to honor uh, Marvin Hagler, which that was cool. He had all the uh, bunch of shout outs and it was the whole thing was uh, an homage to him. So that was great. The fight starts. Porter comes out super aggressive. It starts being kind of hard to score in those early rounds. In the third round, there was a clash of heads. It was totally accidental, though. Nothing terrible. Both the of the clash time. of the heads were, were accidental. It happens. Yeah, there, there was another one later. So then they're even. It's such an exciting fight. And then we get to the 10th round. And here's the thing. I actually had Porter ahead on the cards, uh, but could see that he was kind of starting to fall behind and was like, shit, we're going to get into the championship rounds. Crawford is going to end up taking this. Porter ends up going down twice in that 10th round. Uh, he's all pissed off after the second one. He's punching the mat. And I was like, oh my God, he's about to go super saiyan. Like he's hulking up. He's going to mm-hmm. get up and he's just, he's going to level him in one punch. Crawford's going to land like through the ropes. This is going to be so cool. And then Porter's dad stopped it, which I could see if after the fight, he would have said something along the lines of, you know, I stopped it because I, I saw you didn't have it anymore. Or I saw where this was going. Or it was for your own safety. Something like that. Uh, we turned it off. <laughs> And then I ended up seeing it later on Instagram. And I was like, God damn it. That's why we turned it off because we would have been so irritated. His dad said it was because Porter hadn't trained correctly. And he's like, I said, you know, sometimes people get a little too big in their heads and they don't do what they need to do. So because he had a bad training camp, that's why I stopped the fight. And it's like, why are you shitting on your kid right now? Yeah. This is his last fight. He already said he's going to retire. It it was it left a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, I read those articles this morning because one, I usually turn it off, turn it off when the fight's over because I don't I don't need to hear the oh, this is who I hope for next. This is, you know, I didn't need to hear ESPN blowing them anymore. <laughs> I I just was like, all right, let's let's see what else is on TV. We watched the fight and that was my my purpose. But yeah, I read his dad's comments and I'm not in his dad's head. I don't know what he's thinking, but watching that fight, I never thought Sean looked unprepared at any point in that no. fight. He didn't look uh, unconditioned, like he didn't look out of breath. I think in my head, here's what went through. This is just my opinion, what the dad might have been thinking. All right, this fight is already so close. There's no way he's coming back from a 10-7 round. Even if we win 11 and 12, 10-9, we're still losing this fight. But Sean is going to go out there and try to score the knockout and get hurt. Mm. And he's going to get dropped a couple more times. So I'm just stopping it uh, right now while he's safe. So I think it was stopped too early. I'm genuinely disappointed that we might not see Sean Porter fight again. Yeah. And I said might because until a, until a boxer is in a coffin, I don't yeah. consider him retired for real. They always come back to fight. So I don't, we'll see. This this still may have been the last fight that we've seen him at. But I also respect his reasons for saying that he wanted to walk away. He said, I couldn't beat the best. I'm, I don't want to be the gatekeeper of this division. You know, he doesn't want to be the next... Derek Chisora of the heavyweights, you know, mm-hmm. or he doesn't want to be, you know, Gabe Rosado 
you know, like he wants he wants to be a champion or he wants to be done. Mm-hmm. And also in the back of his head, he might be thinking, hey, I make good money hosting for PBC. Yep. I I make good money as a color guy for boxing. I don't I don't need to get punched in the face anymore. All respect to him. Like Sean, if you ever even hear this episode, I'll tell you this. I loved watching you box. I love hearing you break down fights. And thank you for the great fights that you've put on. And thanks for the way you cover boxing. You know, like you do it all with a smile on your face. And you've made me enjoy some of the telecasts that I've watched even more than uh, I would have without you. So thanks. Yeah, his color commentary is great. I really do like when they have him in the booth. He does a really good job. Uh, But also, you know, like boxing is dangerous. Why the hell would you go out there and literally take brain damage when you can make a living doing something that's still related to the thing that you love. You know what I mean? So it's like, he's just changing paths a little bit. I also wouldn't ever say that he's fully retired because I mean, in the last year we literally saw Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. So, you know, never say never, but yeah, it's kind of a bummer that he's not going to be there anymore, but he went out in a great fashion. You know what I mean? Like that was such a good fight. It, you know, the ending sucked, but the fight itself was so great and so entertaining. Now, you know, we see where Terrence Crawford goes from here. T-Bud did say in a post-fight interview that he's done with ESPN, and that would solve another one of the issues that we were saying that we have with him is the whole who he gets to fight if his promoter isn't hooking it up. Because it's, who is it, Bob Arum, right? That's in yeah. charge of it? I think he called him out by name. He might have been like, Bob ain't shit. That's not what he said, but that's what he meant. Uh, you know, he's not getting him the fights that he needs. If they're not able to to pull that trigger for you, then yeah, you cut ties with them and you go with somebody else who is going to take you to that next level. That's going to put you into the next level elite. You know what I mean? Or you don't even have to sign with a promotional company. You could just get the fights and have it be Terrence Crawford promotions, you know, let them come to you, you know, like Canelo did. He was able to get a fight with the PBC because he on his own was a free agent. If you're a free agent, you can go wherever the hell you want and make money. And that's where Terrence Crawford's at right now. So good luck to to the champ in the future. I really hope we do get to see him versus Errol Spence. But if that's not going to happen next, then I would take the consolation prize Thurman versus Crawford or Ugas versus Crawford. Now, did you see Errol Spence in the crowd, what he ended up doing at the end of the fight? I did not. I saw him there. He got Mm -hmm. up and left. He got up and he literally like he tapped his people on the shoulders and then they ran out of the venue like they hustled to get out of there so quickly instead of doing the usual thing where they stick around, they talk post fight. Sometimes they even have them step into the ring to help build up, you know, the next fight. He just he got up and ran. And to me, in a nutshell, that kind of just says everything that's wrong with boxing. Like that's the fight that we all want. But the guys that are in it don't want the big fights. And it's like, you know, I get it. You don't want to risk it all. But after a certain point, you have to risk it all. You know, the regular season ends and it's playoff time. We've got guys with the belts that are pulling in money. It's playoff time. You know, it's time for you to put up or shut up. And so for him to just run away and, you know, just keep talking shit, it's like, eh, you know, hopefully the fight happens, but I have a bad feeling it won't. Well, here's the thing. If if there's not a fight already signed, I don't I don't want to see the two guys in the ring staring at each other. Like I don't I don't need that. 
I actually prefer the fact that Spence left after the fight was over. You know, like the bullshit drama we don't need. Like there's enough drama already in that fight mm. of two undefeateds, two welterweight titleists going at each other in their prime. Like we don't need the extra stare down in the ring. He came to watch the fight, watched it, and it was time to go. I don't know, but I'm I'm betting that he saw the cameras on him. He's like, all right, you know what? I don't, I don't want to deal with this bullshit. Let's, let's, uh, let's move on. I got, uh, I got bets to place. I will take all the bullshit drama. I want all the pomp and the circumstance. <laughs> give me all the bullshit. Give me the good drama, the bad drama. I want all of it. Just give it all to me. That wraps up our show for this week. Next week, we will be going to a show out in Rosemont, Illinois, actually technically in Des Plaines, at the Dome at the Ballpark for Hits Boxing Promotions. We're going to be heading on out there to watch some fights in person, so that should be fun, and you know, we'll cover whichever ones are good out of that one. I'm guessing Dwer versus Green is supposed to be pretty good, so we will check that out. And then also we have the big Teofimo Lopez versus George Cambosos fight next weekend that's going to be coming up. It's a lot of smaller fights on ESPN and DAZN, so we'll kind of click through those. We also don't want to overdo it. But yeah, if anybody has any fights that we should be checking out from the like 10 different cards that are going on over Thanksgiving week, you know, hit us up, let us know uh, which ones we should be checking out. I don't know. Are there any other ones that you're looking forward to, Fritz? No, like you said, there's a boxing on every night. Uh, it looks like from Friday and Saturday, there's multiple choices. So we'll go through, see what uh, ones are worth talking about, which ones are worth forgetting. Thanks to everybody for listening and subscribing or following. However, they, uh, however they say it now <laughs> on your, wherever you get your podcast. To anybody listening here in the States, uh, happy Thanksgiving. Like Franco said, Punch Maniacs, come on back next week where we'll be uh, breaking down the live action stuff. We'll tell you what's happening locally here in Illinois, and then uh, we'll give you the world with the fights on TV. That's right. So cheers to you, Punchaholics. See, it doesn't have, <laughs> it doesn't have the same flow. I hate it that Punchamaniacs actually has like a nice little, it has a nice little flow Certain to it. Certain Oh, God, it's so annoying. All right, everybody have a good weekend, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Punches and Punchlines. Make sure you like, subscribe, and comment, and we'll see you again next week when we break down the best fights with a sense of humor.